Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to Professional Oklahoma Educators Bite-Sized Learning Podcast, where bite-sized changes can have a big impact in the classroom. This is Season 1, Episode 13. I'm Jason Bings, the host of this podcast. And in today's episode, we're going to look at ways you can adapt your lessons for virtual instruction. Now, with the approaching school year, many of you I know are concerned about how you're going to begin the school year and possibly teach a large portion of the school year in a virtual format. Some of you truly experience this in the spring and have a head start on the rest of us in education, but others of you may have met with your students online for review and for updates, but it really wasn't much more than that, so it truly wasn't what I would call a virtual instruction setup. So for the most part, there really wasn't true virtual instruction occurring. As we're faced with the next school year and a continuation of the spread of the virus, it's safe to assume that at some point in the near future, you will be faced with providing instruction in a distance environment, in a virtual environment. Now, I've posted previously about virtual classroom management and asynchronous instruction. And so if you would like some more information on that without rehashing some of that same content, you can go to the links that I have in the show notes or go to the blog to find those co- those topics. So what I really think we should do is focus on some other related concepts, and there is some overlap between those two previous posts and what we're covering today. So in the title I said I would give five ways to adapt your lessons for virtual instruction, and I want to focus on the adaptation part of that title. Many of you may have been told that you need to create lesson plans for traditional instruction methods and lesson plans for virtual instruction, which makes it sound like you need two different lesson plans. You may have been told this by leadership or administration in your school or district, and so you're trying to figure out how you're going to do this, how you're going to find time to develop two totally different lesson plans. So as you're thinking about your planning here, I want you to ask yourself one question. What standards will I be teaching? Now, do you plan to teach different standards in a virtual environment versus a face-to-face environment? If that's the case, then you legitimately need to have two different lesson plans. Otherwise, there's no need for two plans. You can get by with one plan. So if you plan to teach the same standards, which you should, because there aren't different state standards for virtual instruction versus face-to-face instruction, then you don't need two lesson plans. What you do need is a lesson plan that will work for both formats. And all that changes is the actual mode of instruction. I know many of you take the lesson plans from your previous year and you modify them to fit the current class based on what you learned last year about how students understand, you adjust for the needs of the students in your current class, make adaptations, modifications, and do all of that in preparation for your current year. What you want to do when you're modifying your lessons from last year to fit your current class, you also want to include components that are going to work in a virtual environment. So how do we do that? Part of what you will do will depend on what resources your district will prefer you to use, whether that's Google Classroom, Canvas, Schoology, or some other LMS. Without spending time focusing on the specific platforms and the ways you could utilize them, we're just going to focus on ideas that are more universal in nature. First, 
include all of your resources. So when you're designing your lessons, you may have worksheets, review problems, websites, slideshows, textbook chapters, interactive apps, assessment questions, videos, and countless other tools that are at your disposal. You likely have become so comfortable using them that you don't even think to include them as part of your actual lesson plan documentation. So many of these resources are either already in a digital format or they can be easily converted to a digital format. So when you're designing your lessons for the coming year, it's important to put every resource and every tool in your lesson plan. And if your district is providing an LMS for you to use, be sure to do your planning and design within that platform. That way you've already got everything started and you're ready to go and don't have to make drastic changes later on. So if you're careful to include all of your resources in that platform from the very beginning, you're going to be much more comfortable if and when you have to shift to totally virtual for a time. Number two on my list, double plan. I know what you're thinking. I just told you that you don't have to make two different lesson plans and I stand by that statement. What I mean by double plan is something totally different. As you're creating your lesson plans, you need to clearly plan out what you will do and what your students will do. That's the double planning part of it. Plan for yourself and plan for your students. So it's not two separate lesson plans. You're just making sure that you clearly plan out the entire process. It's easy to focus on what you're going to do as the instructor, but sometimes we forget to focus on what the students are going to do. Other than whatever homework or, or extra assignments we're going to give to them as part of that. You need to plan for all of your stopping points throughout the lesson or the activity, the discussion questions and techniques you're going to use. What other questions are you going to ask to assess what learning is going on? What questions might they ask you? And what problem areas might they run into? So all of that is part of your planning process. So this is obviously going to require a little bit more detail in your lesson plans but what it amounts to is a back and forth format for your lesson plans, almost like a script or blocking for a play or a play for an athletic team. You plan for every step of the process. So when I do this, then they will do that. When I say something, they're going to respond with something else or they may ask something else. So if you can include all of those elements in your lesson plan, you're going to be much better prepared to make the shift to virtual when it happens. Number three, record yourself. When you're planning your lessons, record yourself teaching the concept. Now there are numerous ways to do this and I mentioned a few of those in the post called Options for Creating Instructional Videos. So you can get to that link through the show notes or through the blog. Now this recording doesn't need to be anything fancy, but it is a good idea to record yourself teaching each lesson and you can reuse it in the future. So if you record it this year, you can turn around and use it again next year as long as you don't make too many modifications. Now some of you may be thinking that you don't need to record yourself teaching the lesson if you're still in a traditional format, but I'm going to disagree with you and here's why. If you record your lesson, you can share the video for students that are absent, or you can use, that, use it as a reteaching tool. With the recorded lesson, 
you can also take advantage of the transcription tools that are available in several of the video hosting platforms like YouTube. Doing so will help meet the needs of your diverse learners and also provide a resource for parents and guardians when needed. So if you're in a virtual asynchronous environment, recording your lessons seems like an obvious choice. If you're not in a virtual setup, it still makes sense for the reasons that I mentioned above, but also because it gives you an opportunity to evaluate how you're teaching the objective and improve your technique. If you teach the same lesson six times a day, you know that by the fifth or sixth time, you've already ironed out several problems in your teaching methodology. So if you get a head start and record it once ahead of time, you can catch some of those early and that first time you deliver that lesson face-to-face -face is going to be better. So you can record your lessons using those tools that are mentioned in that Creating Instructional Videos post. And you can do this through a screen recorder or you can use your webcam that's on your laptop or your Chromebook or whatever device you have or just having a camera or a video camera set up in front of you as you're at the board working or you can even use your your phone on a tripod and you can make this modification to your existing lessons pretty quickly uh, using the video and you can adapt them to whatever the environment is at the time very easily whether you're just needing the video as a resource for students to to look back on a review or if that's going to be one of your primary modes of instruction in an asynchronous virtual environment. Alright, so number four, universal design for learning. So universal design for learning, I've got it linked in the notes, UDL is a set of guidelines that you can apply to any subject area, any grade level, to ensure that all of your learners can access and participate in learning. So it's a big component of accessibility, but it goes beyond that. So if you utilize these principles for UDL, it's going to make it much easier for you to shift between virtual and traditional uh, much more seamlessly, and it's going to help you meet the needs of all of your learners, whether those are students that are on an IEP or students that are gifted. If you use UDL guidelines, that's going to help you in the long run. In fact, most of the ideas that I'm sharing fit within UDL and are critical in order for universal design to actually be effective. Alright, so number five is to begin at the end. Now I cannot stress this enough. You should always begin with the end in mind. What do you want your students to know and understand by the end of the lesson? What's your objective? If you focus on that first, the rest of it gets much easier. So once you have your target in mind, then you can step back and choose your tool for hitting the target. So you can ask yourself a follow-up question at that point. What tool will best help me teach this concept? Is the best tool one that will work in a virtual and a face-to-face -face environment? And if that's the case, great. If not, then what tool would you use in the other environment? So if the tool that you feel like is going to best get the concept across only works in a face-to-face -face setup, what tool would you use in order to handle the virtual part of it and build that in as part of your planning? So ultimately, you want the best tool for the job, but sometimes that is going to require you to become comfortable using two different tools, uh, just simply because the best tool may not work in 
a dual environment, so periodically you're going to need two tools. Most of the time, you can get by with one great tool that's going to work in both setups. These concepts do not guarantee success in a virtual environment, but they will help you navigate the weeks and months ahead. So I want you to remember the following to help you through this. Don't let yourself get overwhelmed. Rely on the experts around you. Share the load. And remember, effective teaching is effective no matter what environment you're in. And also, focus on your students. Create engaging lessons and then plan with whatever learning management system you have in mind. So if you start with those concepts, you'll be much better off in the long run. Now we may not know what the next several months are going to look like for sure, but as you're planning for them, don't think you have to create two separate lesson plans. Instead, focus on designing engaging lessons that will work in both environments. One engaging lesson plan is all you need, as long as you prepare for it to work in multiple environments. I do want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. Please share it and comment to let us know how we can help you and others. You may leave your comments in your podcatcher of choice, but to guarantee we receive them in a timely manner, go to bit.ly slash bite-sized pod and complete the form. If you would like to schedule a professional learning session for your school or an online meeting, you can send an email to pl, as in professional learning, pl at apoe.org. If you'd like more information about professional Oklahoma educators, check out our website, www.apoe.org. You can find links to this podcast and blog under the resources tab on the website or by going to poebitesizedlearning.blogspot.com. POE can also be found on Facebook at apoe.org and on Twitter at prof.okla.edu.